For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What did he grab out of the back of the wagon? A shovel. A shovel. <laughs> what did he grab? Yeah, it was a shovel. Yeah. You think he grabbed yeah. something to go help save her life? He didn't. He grabbed a shovel to go bury her because he knew she was about to put it. Yellowstone starring Kevin Costner set a high bar for any show that follows. We're four seasons deep now, so each week we see a trained cast comfortable with their characters, the storylines, and each other. Undoubtedly, if you went back to episode one of season one, you'd find a few rough edges. It happens with every show. But as 2021 becomes 2022, their interactions are nearly intuitive. The show doesn't write itself, but the action certainly seems to play itself out on camera with equal parts tension and ease. These are professionals doing professional work. 1883 has professionals too, but begins with expectations that the newest Taylor Sheridan drama will meet a bar set by Yellowstone in season four. Is it fair? Probably not. But if there's one lesson we learned from episodes one and two of the new series, it's that life isn't fair. I'm Addison Hager, and it's possible you've not prepared for the dark drama in store during this season of 1883. I know I wasn't. The opening sequence finds one of the show's stars take an arrow through the gut and another bent over his wife, weeping as he prepares to bury her. Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Sam Elliott, and Billy Bob Thornton are the show's biggest stars, but the 19th century Fort Worth, Texas should get a place on the poster too, as should the obstacles that will work to prevent a large group of traveling immigrants from finding their slice of heaven in the Northwest. Pandemics, bandits, nature, war, that's all we've seen so far. Billy Dukes is on standby, and right out of the gate we'll share our raw, first take reactions to the two hours of television that premiered on December 19th. And then we'll break down each additional episode in this space, so tap follow so you never miss a clue or a moment in history, reborn for us to consume 140 years later. Then keep the conversation alive at staff at tasteofcountry.com with your questions, theories, research, and reactions to what looks like another gripping slice of the Yellowstone franchise. Thanks to the thousands who've taken the time to listen and engage with Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast so far. If you're new, I'm a novice, and Billy Dukes is the nerd on all this stuff. So let's bring him into the conversation right now. Hello, Addison! Hello, Billy. I am still honestly emotionally recovering from... The first two episodes of 1883. I don't don't know about you. It's heavy. It's heavy. Very heavy. What was your first, like, raw first opinion of the first two episodes? Honestly, I I think it's going to grow on me as time goes on. I think part of me, you know, Yellowstone is very, very heavy as well. But you have a little bit comedic relief here and there. I didn't really feel that at all. Um, in the first two episodes of 1883. So I think, 
I think going forward, I'm going to now have my mind, you know, in the right spot going into these episodes. But it was it was a little it was a little heavy for me, a little heavier than I was expecting. But granted, I think now I kind of know what to expect. But I, I hope as time goes on, we have a little bit of just moments of a smile. What we haven't you? had anything that looks like levity at this point. No. And we get that with Yellowstone, like the barrel racers. Um, or the buckle bunnies yes. kind of bring that. But then whenever Taylor Sheridan's crew come to town, it's like, okay, deep breath. We're going to do some fun horse things here. Like right. there isn't. We had that moment around the campfire where the Germans were playing music. And I believe mm-hmm. this is in episode two of 1883. Mm-hmm. And we're not getting into any spoilers yet. Um, but the Germans were playing some music. And Faith's like, <laughs> basically Faith and her sister are like, turn that racket off. You know, right? Yeah, it's 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 joyless. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of Faith Hill, that is one person. Aside from you know the lack of joy that I felt after watching the first two episodes, I will admit I I set Faith with a pretty low bar, not in any rude way, but you know, Tim, we've talked about this has had very similar roles when it comes to acting. That you know, seeing him in this light wasn't as surprised with his performance, but. Faith, like this this type of person that she's portraying is new for her. And so I kind of came in with no expectations of like, eh, potentially and? subpar. And that's okay. I, I personally, I'm excited. I, she oh. surprised me. But like I said, I think I set the bar really, really low. And, you know, she hasn't necessarily had, you know, monologues by herself where it's something profound or anything yet. But I will say... It's really cool seeing her in a more gritty, uh, less polished persona. I'm I'm personally really excited. What about you? She's good. She's good. I, I think some things we thought like about her not being asked to carry the show are, are going to be true. Like Sam yes. Elliott is going to help carry the show. Tim McGraw, I thought, was very good and very believable. Isabel May, who plays their daughter, Elsa Dutton. Is, she's phenomenal. Uh, she's she's really good, and as a narrator, her voice is just mm-hmm. uh, the word I believe is mellifluous, mellif, mellifluous, mellifluous. I love it. I'm here for. <laughs> she's I just easy heard to listen that to. Word, but I'm but I'm here. Yeah, one hundred percent. But Faith's character is kind of interesting. Uh, she plays Margaret Dutton, the it's Tim McGraw's on-screen wife, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of like a normal stoic late 19th century woman like she hasn't been asked to show a lot of personality and i think maybe i don't know like do you have any like pictures on your wall like a family cabin or something of like your relatives who died like 50 or 60 years ago and all the women just none of them smile they all look very stoic and borderline unhappy do you have any of those you know i don't have any of those but i know i know know what you're saying there yes absolutely where you're like man yeah gruff rough and yeah, don't mess with you, but also, yeah. That's Margaret your, Dutton. Like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of, and it works for her. So, mm-hmm. so far, so good with Faith in the acting. Mm-hmm. The show overall, to me, it moves a little bit more slowly than I kind of thought it would. Like, yes. I found some spots where I was kind of looking at my phone. Yes. And I, yes. <laughs> I don't know that's because it's not interesting, but, like, I don't get those moments in Yellowstone. And, you know, we're four seasons into Yellowstone, so maybe that's right. probably why we're just two episodes into to 1883. But there, there's certainly some great action moments, but it's not 
wall to wall. Well, and and to that point, I think that's what is making the heavy even heavier is because it's just, it's drawn out a little bit more. And so, like I said earlier, you know, you leave this, I left the first two episodes going, okay, I need to turn on some Hallmark cheesy movie or something just to lighten the mood a little bit. I can't go to bed on (laughs) off off of how episode two ended of 1883. Who is the character that you look forward to seeing on screen every time he or she appears? I'm aside from just seeing Faith Hill's acting develop, I really like Elsa. I'm really looking forward to I, I like that she kind of has this dynamic of she doesn't portray how the normal woman in that era is portrayed. Like she I mean, even Tim goes, we need another person to go and, you know, help collect the cattle and we're gonna take and he takes his daughter, which he had said, you know, faith in him kind of banter back of, you know, you're treating her like a man or whatever. And I just love that she kind of plays this out of the norm character, uh, pushing boundaries and stuff like that. I'm excited just to see, like, she does a really good job of kind of being the tomboy of the group, but also feminine. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see. I really, I really like her. You know, I think, Maybe there's a couple of spots in these first two episodes where the show maybe pins the start of a thread that ties all the way to Yellowstone. And her character is one of them. Uh, she plays Elsa. She's 17 years old. And she's a wildflower, right? Mm-hmm. That'd be a fair yeah. way to describe her? Yeah, uh, I think that's a great way to describe her. But she's also a strong, independent woman in a time when strong, independent women were, were not embraced. I think right. it's really easy to go A to B to Beth Dutton in Yellowstone, who is a very different type of progressive, strong, independent woman. Mm-hmm. But like, it's easy to see how maybe that lineage started right there with, with Elsa Dutton. I'd agree with that. What about you? Which character are you most excited to, so far, two episodes in? Who are you excited to see for episode three again? Well, I really like Sam Elliott and LaMonica Garrett uh, when they're on screen together. I think they're kind of a bit of an odd couple. Um mm-hmm. But I think that their acting is really good. I wish Sam Elliott's character, Shay Brennan, would open his mouth a little bit more when he speaks because he's kind of <laughs> Captain Mumbles. And I'm watching it like I watched like the screeners, so I didn't have the benefit of like closed caption on the right. screen. So sometimes right. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> like I have an Come uncle again? who's about, uh, say, that's my uncle. I said, <laughs> Say? Well, what? <laughs> Do you hear me now? What? What's <laughs> what? Well, he, I don't know if you've ever seen Did You Hear About the Morgans? It's with um, Hugh Grant, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Sam Elliott's in it. And he plays Clay Wheeler, who's a sheriff. And he is essentially, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker and Hugh Grant go into this witness protection program. My point in saying all this is. Sam, who plays Clay in that movie, is the exact same persona and character as Shay in 1883. It's interesting to see. So I kind of expected, you know, just what I saw from the other movie of kind of like he holds his own, but kind of to your point, he kind of of mumbles. He's, He's someone who commands the room, commands authority, but is kind of... Kind of talks like this, just one, he's very mm-hmm. monotone, but yet, you know, that he could take you down, you know, just with a shove. Let's start 
with not only that relationship between Sam and Thomas is the Monica Garrett's character on the show, but some of the opening scenes, because I think that kind of gets into some of the historical accuracies Mm -hmm. of the show, like 1883, right out of the gate. And and we're getting into some spoilers now. So if you haven't seen it, um, we won't won't get to the major (laughs) one until a little bit later, but we we meet Sam Elliott's character really early on. Uh, He's just lost his wife and I believe his daughter uh, yeah. due to smallpox. And we see the, a really gripping scene where he's mm-hmm. saying goodbye to them and then ultimately burning his house down to kind of dispose of their bodies and, and pondering his next steps. He's crying, he's broken down, and we, we, we cut to him with a gun to his head, pondering suicide. And that's mm-hmm. when Thomas appears. Thomas uh, works for the Pinkerton National Detective Agency, which I want to talk about in a second. Okay. But he he says a line that I think speaks to maybe a theme of the show. And this was promised in a lot of the trailers and the previews, that this is going to be a show that's not going to give you a lot of flowery language. They're not going to rely on metaphor. They're not going to insinuate things. It's very straightforward in speech. And he looks at Shay Brennan about to kill himself and asks, um, well, first he asks him if he's ready to go on the adventure they're going on. And Shay says he's not sure yet or something like that. And, you know, Thomas looks at him with the gun to his head and says, well, think on it quick. If I'm digging a hole, I'd rather do it before the sun's high. Like this. (laughs) Just just telling it like it is. Like no sugarcoating. Yeah. I mean, and they're kind of friends, I believe. And that's what he says to him. And it's not even like said in sort of a sarcastic sort of way. I think he's really saying like. You know, to the chase. <laughs> figure it out here, pops. Captain, they call him Captain Cap, because I, you know, I don't want to have to sweat digging your hole today. And, mm-hmm. and that's going to be it for the show. I don't think there's going to be a lot of sort of figure it out in your own t- time type of dialogue, which I like, and especially it being a heavier show. I don't want to have to read in between the lines. I just want you to tell me what to expect. And so I'm, I'm personally here for this. Did you know that was smallpox on his wife and daughter? You know, I didn't at first. It took me a hot minute. I had to, they say it in the show, and then I Googled just a little bit more because I was curious. But um, no, you know, I don't, I mean, to be honest, I didn't know what smallpox even looked like. So I didn't even know where to Google at first um, or what to Google. I was the same. I mean, smallpox, I think, has pretty much been eradicated in America and European countries for like 40 or 50 years. So it's kind of understandable. I guessed mumps, and then I eventually found Mm. my way to smallpox. And yeah. maybe found the same Wikipedia page as you <laughs> well, did. Well, yes. And to your point of I, when I was searching, it was eradicated in 1980. Yeah. And I don't know if it was, I mean, it was definitely transferable, you know, either physically or it was just very contagious. But I don't, I don't know if it was as fatal as the show is portraying. I found 30% death rate. Is that what you saw? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, where in the show it kind of seems like as soon as you have it, you know, everyone, anyone that you've even remotely come into contact with, you're, you're out, you're dead. Did you draw parallels from the smallpox pandemic that they were showing there to the COVID nineteen pandemic we're experiencing now? I think in the sense of you know quarantining per se, but I don't feel like the extreme of. You know, if you have it, you're just automatically deceased or seen as. I mean, just when they were, um, when Sam Elliott's character tells two of the immigrants, like, you got to go. We can't take you with us. You're 
you're mince dead. meat essentially you're you're dead um well you know this is a show that was filmed in a covid-19 era and right. when I started to do some of the research, it was interesting. I mean, vaccines were available in the 19th century for the smallpox. Right. And they're essentially kind of the same thing as what we know a vaccine is today. You know, you give mm-hmm. someone a, a small dose of the actual virus mm-hmm. in ways then that was a little bit stranger to our sort of sensibilities now. I think in some societies they would kind of take like the the capsules and, and grind them up and people would snort that and that's how they would do it. I mean, it was kind of an odd thing, but it was controversial. Like, I don't know if they were getting those vaccines out to rural areas particularly easily. And there was even one instance in Laredo, Texas, which is a, a long ways away from Fort Worth, but it was in 1899 and it was called the Laredo smallpox riot. This was huh. essentially, they tried to force, force vaccines on people and it got really violent really quickly over a matter of days, weeks, or months. Um, so there was resistance to the vaccine, but also a fear of the virus in some ways that I couldn't help but wonder. It rang true to kind of what we were experiencing today, and I wondered if that was Taylor Sheridan maybe getting on a soapbox a little bit. I mean, maybe, and it just happens to coincide. I mean, it kind of parallels naturally. Like, it's not necessarily yeah. forced. It's not. And the other thing, and this is this was the first scene we immediately mm-hmm. see how he's going to tr- treat Native Americans uh, a little bit better than like your typical Western show. Like immediately yeah. we see that the natives aren't the bad guys per se. And Elsa says yeah. that in her opening um, monologue, her opening narrative. She's She calls herself the demon. Um, mm-hmm. That's an interesting portrayal. And I think a thread that not only runs through Yellowstone, but it's going to probably read, run through the course of 1883 as well. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast. Be sure to tap follow on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating or review if you're enjoying the analysis and conversation. On the way, the biggest twist from episode one and two, and what it tells us about Faith Hill's character, Margaret Dutton, plus this week's listener Q&A. Okay, earlier you were talking about Thomas working at Pinkerton. Is that a real place? It is. Yeah, it had you saw the badge on his uniform, uh-huh. the Pinkerton National Detective Agency. And I wrote down a whole bunch of like signs I would see kind of throughout the first episode. There was another one, the Thomas James Hewitt livery. I wanted to know if that was real. Couldn't f- figure out that it was, but some of the other ones were and we'll get to them in a second. Um but the Pinkerton is basically like a security company and they protected like valuable assets like the president. They were hired to like um guard and protect President Lincoln at one uh-huh. point. What's really interesting about them, and maybe you thought this, but my wife said it. She wondered why Thomas, who is LaMonica Garrett, a black man, was Uh respected in a town like Fort Worth in the late 19th century. That seems out of place and maybe a little forced. Well, as it turns out, Pinkerton was really progressive. They went out of their way to hire women and minorities, and they gave them that badge. So it very well could be that a black man had that position in Fort Worth, Texas in the late 19th century. Wait, that's really cool. Um, 
The origins of Pinkerton still exist today. They've kind of turned into another security agency and been transferred and bought probably a, a hundred times. But that company is still kind of around protecting like high dollar, high valuable um, assets in America oh. and the world today. What else did you, when you said you were writing down signs and stuff like that, as you saw them, what other ones do you have? Well, have you ever been to Fort Worth? Have you spent much time in Fort Worth? I, you know, I haven't spent a ton of time, but I actually recently um, went there. I personally love Fort Worth, but what are what is the question that's going to be associated with Fort well, Worth? Well, I mean, the Fort Worth <laughs> Tourism Board can't be loving the portrayal of their city thus far, right? I mean, oh yeah, probably not. No, it's focused on what's called Hell's Half Acre, uh, which was yes. essentially the red light district. And I think, do they still call an area Hell's Half Acre today? Not to my knowledge, but like I said, I'm not. I've only been to Fort Worth truly a handful of times. Not to my knowledge, but also I don't know if they would want that. Well, no, they probably wouldn't. The white <laughs> elephant is the one thing that is really critical. And there is a white elephant saloon today. And it's based on this white elephant saloon that we see in episode two, which mm -hmm. is where we meet Billy Bob Thornton's character. Um, if you recall from episode two, and if you've watched it already, if you haven't, maybe skip ahead about two minutes. Um, there is an attack on the travelers. They chase the bandits back to this white elephant saloon. The white elephant was real. It was a real saloon, and it was it was in the Hell's Half Acre. Uh, interestingly, this is where Billy Bob Thornton's character, who was based on a real character, this Marshal Jim Courtright, this is where he died in a shootout in 1887. Uh, the one little bit of fabricating part about this though is that all records that i can find say that the white elephant saloon opened up in like march 1884 so they kind of borrowed a little bit but that was a real place um they it was mostly men that they served they wouldn't hmm. serve women for the most part but there was a ton of gunfights a ton of violence a lot of gambling uh, all that part was real it was very common to see a shootout in the white elephant saloon just like we saw in episode two well, yeah, I'm I'm looking it up right now. It's, yep, it's still bumping. Well, and I kind of want to talk real quick, not to divert. We can come back and talk about other places that you researched. But I think that was the thing throughout the first two episodes that I'm like, wow, it's so, so drastically different to now of if you didn't like someone, you just shot them. Like, you know, it's just there's no, there was no gray area. It was just, all right, we're just going to start shooting. Run. Well, Tim gets pickpocketed, and he shoots the pickpocketer. That seems a little bit uh, extreme. <laughs> I I would say so. Yes. <laughs> I have Tim's death count up to seven. Oh, that's good that you're keeping count. Yeah, I want to know how many how many men he kills in this yeah. series. Yeah. You're only, man, I, I thought he, to be honest, I felt like it was more. So the fact that it's only seven... Well, it might be. Seems you have the, the five he kills in the opening sequence. You see Tim on the wagons yeah. and he's shooting over his shoulder. Then there is the the guy who stumbles drunkenly into his daughter's room and tries to have yes. his way with her. Yes. Um, he, he ends up getting a bullet. He doesn't kill the guy who pickpockets him, but that guy eventually dies by hanging really mm. quickly. Really quickly. Ve yes. <laughs> and then... There's the scene in episode two, the big shootout in the in the White Elephant Saloon. I got to figure Tim was responsible for at least one of those deaths. I'd agree. Seven still seems low, but. 
Well, I mean, official deaths. That's all I can charge him with at this point. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. What do you think of Tim? His acting and, and particularly his interplay with uh, Isabel May, who plays Elsa. They're interesting together. I'd say the bar was set correctly on my end of what to expect from him. I, I can't say that he, I know that you said earlier that, you know, he's, really wowed you i wouldn't say that he really wowed me necessarily but i don't know if that's because i came in with the mindset of already expecting a certain caliber from him um but i will say he's definitely he's definitely believable i personally love and i would you know love to ask him this and honestly ask him in faith this i love seeing there's a scene where he's with elsa and they are rounding up the cattle and so they're um, spending the night in the field and he's kind of giving her advice on you know rattlesnakes won't get you if xyz and what to do with the cattle all the above and um you know both of they have three daughters in real life roughly a little older than elsa but you know watching kind of that on-screen chemistry between them when they have conversations like that i'm curious you know if that's almost second nature to Tim as if he's talking to one of his own daughters of drawing from that where it's almost not acting. It's, um, you know, like I said, kind of his parental role and kind of nurturing role for his daughters. Well, their relationship on screen certainly seems the most natural, Mm -hmm. I would think. I mean, maybe the relationship between Tim and Faith, but I don't know. I almost think the relationship between Tim and Isabel May is a little bit more comfortable yeah. Right out of the gate. And it takes time to gel all these relationships, but they do. You, you could be on to something there. That's a, that's a pretty astute point. Well, and I think with Tim and Faith, you almost assume that their chemistry on camera is going to be great because they're married. So I think seeing the other is what's a little bit more surprising because obviously they're not actually related or, you know, any anything like that that you would come in already expecting. We covered a lot of episode one. Episode one. Uh, is a lot of introduction of characters. Mm -hmm. And the storyline basically is that Tim has just taken a wagon from Tennessee, as it turns out, to Fort Worth. There he's going to meet his wife, daughter, son, and his sister-in-law and his sister-in-law's daughter. And together they're going to take a wagon to parts unknown up north. Uh, There they meet up with Shay Brennan, who is Sam Elliott. And eventually Sam Elliott convinces Tim's wagon to join theirs. They're going to take a bunch of German immigrants who are ill-prepared for this trip up north as well. Um, they don't. The German immigrants don't know how to ride horses. They don't have any firearms. Uh, they don't know not to sip the water because you'll get chloria. So that's kind of where episode one gets us. Gets us. The daughter loves the journey. Like she is all about that clean Texas air and she is just all smiles. Yes. Um, it, it ends with us learning a little bit more about um, Tim's character and what drives him. But we don't get all of that until episode two when we learn that Tim was in the Civil War. Well, they start, it's the Dunker Church. And what I actually really like about this scene is they freeze it almost like an old photo, a black and white photo. And then it fades into color to be, you know, as if it's happening in the moment. And um, this is also where we see Tom Hanks' Mm -hmm. character. For a hot second, I thought he was going to be more in episode two. He's not. He's literally just there for three minutes. Um, It's the easiest payday ever, I think. Easiest payday, yeah. Easiest payday (laughs) ever. This is Dutton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast. 
I'm Addison Hager, and if you found us, let us know what you think of the show or what you'd like to see more of. Fan theories, the crazier the better. Wanted at staff at tasteofcountry.com. Be sure to tap follow for weekly breakdowns of each episode, plus the off-screen background you'll need for it to all make sense, including some great cast interviews like those available in our archives today. Talking about just Tim's experience with that and that, you know, his character was 97 pounds by the time he came back. And um, I think for me, it kind of shaped this understanding of almost, you know, why he is the way he is today, I think is what that did a really good job doing. Um, I don't know how you felt with that. I felt the same. I mean, you kind of glazed over long hair, Tim McGraw, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> to be honest, I didn't think two seconds about that. So that, that shows what we were looking at. <laughs> he, uh, he spent three years in a union prison. So even though there was this sort of tender scene between Tom Hanks's general and Tim McGraw's character, Tim ends up being in a prison. But that kind of, I think, is where you get that sort of um, uh, that personality, that skepticism of life yes. from McGraw's character, James Dutton. Uh, and ultimately, I think this is what's driving him north. He, he's probably got a lot of PTSD, not only from this yeah. battle, which was the bloodiest day in American history and still is, uh, to being in the prison and, and going down to 97 pounds. Like, this is this is why he wants to get out and why he's searching for sort of this clean new land and a fresh start, I think. Yeah. His sister-in-law doesn't seem to appreciate that. And this is old Aunt Claire, who is difficult to watch. She is the woman. We all have this member of the family, the aunt, the grandmother, some relative who comes around and you put up with her, but but damn it if you aren't happy when she leaves. Ooh, which is <laughs> which is a little bit of foreshadowing there, Billy, that well, I just <laughs> I felt it, deep in my soul, but it is a that's, little. Not even, <laughs> that's not even where I was going to head with my next my next statement. But I do love, though, how Faith tells her, because in all reality, the, Faith says you didn't have to come. You chose to come. Like, no one's forcing you to do this. And she kind of has a sour attitude where, I mean, I was kind of with Faith when she said that statement of, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Why are you... Like, no one's forcing you to go along with this journey, but man, you just have such a sour attitude about everything. This gets to the part I think will will be the biggest spoiler alert if you haven't watched mm-hmm. all of episode two is, um, so I'm going to give you five seconds here to hop on out or advance about three to five minutes as we ingest this scene. Okay, that's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> But Claire ultimately decides that she doesn't want to go on this trip up north. Um, The travelers are attacked by bandits. Claire's daughter gets killed. We learn this is the seventh child she's had who was killed or died somehow. Add that to the death of her husband, and it's all too much Mm -hmm. for her. She ultimately decides to kill herself over her daughter's grave. Mm -hmm. That scene was difficult to watch but also super interesting to watch Faith Hill's perspective of it because her character doesn't blink when she hears that gunshot. Like she yeah. knows what happened, but she doesn't blink and she continues on. Like there was a lot going on with that, even though nothing was said. And really there was no facial motions from Faith at that time. 
Well, and that's, to be honest, that was one of the scenes that kind of sold me with Faith of, she did that really, really well that I, it evoked an emotion out of me of, like, man, um, yeah, just excited to see just where that's headed because I, you know, the natural, I just, there's so much grit there. Even the scene itself where I feel like a lot of times they don't show in depth what they showed with her, um... Yeah, I just, I mean, I still don't really have words for it. Of it, It's its heavy. And, you know, I think for me, there was a little bit of before she killed herself that I thought, okay, surely, surely she's not going to, you know, they're not going to get rid of her. I mean, she just was in two episodes and now she's gone. And, uh, you know, I thought when Tim kind of circled back when he told, you know, Faith to keep going um, and Tim circled back and he was headed back, I thought, okay, he's going to intervene. Yeah. And they kept us on our toes of, that is not what happened. What did he grab out of the back of the wagon? A shovel. A shovel. <laughs> what did he grab? Yeah, it was a shovel. Yeah. You think he grabbed yeah. something to go help save her life? He didn't. He <laughs> grabbed a shovel to go bury her because he knew she was about to put a, a cold steel bullet into her head. <laughs> you know, I think what that scene did for me is it sucked the last bit of air sort of out of the possibility that there would be some sort of happiness at some point. Because what that character, Claire, represented for most of two episodes was this idea that somewhere along this journey, she would come along and see James and Margaret Dutton's vision. She would embrace the beauty. And it would be hard, and she would be a real pain in the ass for most of this show. But eventually she would see it, and then we would all feel good. We would all make merry about it. But they, they killed that possibility. Literally. Quite literally. <laughs> and now even poor Elsa is like, what began as a journey has become a retreat. It's like, oh, no, girl. Hey, two. Hey, two. <laughs> All we have left, I think, to kind no, of cannot. to hang a smile on is like this, this possible relationship that Elsa is forming with Wade, one of the cowboys, which is kind of fun, right? That's kind of, he's I cute. Like, he's handsome. Well, he, uh, he a little bit, he is handsome. He's got good teeth, which that's he does. incredibly random. But that's mainly what I keep looking at. But I, he kind of reminds me a little bit. He's kind of the Jimmy of 1883. And what I mean by that is a little <laughs> bit of the comedic relief, a little bit of the, dun, 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 you know, kind of a little bit of the dorky personality, if you will, or clueless. Might yeah. Be a better word. That's what I gathered from him. I was like, oh, I'm going to like you. But I don't think this is his first time around a girl in a pretty dress, though. Like, oh, he's no. he's a little bit no. more. No, I'll give you how, that. How creepy would it be in the 21st century if someone came up to you and said, take that hat off so I can see how pretty you are? <laughs> I would say, swerve, no. I mean, that has, that has some vibes <laughs> nowadays in 2021 that are like, really really dirty but elsa's like ha 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 and she does it she takes the hat off yes i didn't think that she was gonna do that and when she did i was like girl come on come on that's what passed as a line back (laughs) it did well she even yeah she takes it off she fixes Mm. her hair a little bit and then she just waits for him to gawk and i'm like girl (laughs) i'm just saying if there was a time machine bachelor billy dukes would have picked up all the ladies because i could do better than that you know, I wasn't good, but I could do better than that. Like, if that worked, they'd never seen me coming. 
Oh my gosh, tears, Billy. Form into my eyes. Oh my gosh, but, that's good. I say all that to say, like, I still don't trust this guy, Wade. Like, I'm oh, waiting no. for the episode where he tries to get a little too handsy, and then James Dutton has to put a bullet in his head. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I, just the way that they even set that scene up and continue with him and her, I, I foresee trouble. Absolutely. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, are you ready for some questions? I am, yeah. People asking questions already about 1883. That's impressive, yeah. considering, uh, you know, hey, it's we're here literally for it. We love it. hours old. But uh, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I have a general question that no one has asked us directly, but several have spoken about it. Will Tim and Faith sing on the show? I thought they would at some point, didn't you? Like a, just a little, little taste of it? Yes and no. I think for me, thinking that they're going to sing is maybe something a little lighthearted. And considering episode one ended with me, I needed to breathe. And then... The second one I needed to breathe, I don't think it's coming anytime soon. I do think at some point maybe on their journey they'll sing together, but I just don't think for me the the theme has been set up for that scene. Well, I can tell you that you're wrong. Uh, a hard no on them singing on this show. Uh, <laughs> I've seen a couple of interviews where Dang Tim and it. Faith were asked if they were going to be part of the soundtrack, and they flat out said no. And then Taste of Country also was part of a roundtable and his response was, it would be against his character to show some sort of creative artistic side or that there's a singer in there. So they won't be whistling Dixie. They're not going to be humming a tune. There's not going to be a lullaby or even oh, a funeral man. dirge. Uh, not a melody will part from the lips of James and Margaret Dutton through at least season one of 1883. Wow, that was so eloquent, Billy. <laughs> I chose this next comment because I think the actor is new to a lot of people. Jerry says, I'm only watching for Sam Elliott and Isabel May. Billy, who is Isabel May? Isabel May, she is new. She's only 21 years old, and she's had two roles that young... Honestly, she's had two roles that I doubt anybody who's watching 1883 would recognize her for. The first is from a show called Alexa and Katie... Very young listeners. This ended several years ago. She played Katie Cooper, one of the main roles. Um, there's an Alexa and Katie Instagram channel, which is adorable. You can find Isabel May doing a little dance. The other role she's known for is a re reoccurring role on the show Young Sheldon, which is the spinoff of uh, Big Bang Theory. Isabel May plays Veronica. She's been on about nine episodes of that show. Uh, that's really her only two roles. She's got a several others, a couple in development, maybe some independent films. But So she landed this role with really not much of a background, and certainly not a background that speaks to this kind of character. So it's right. new for her, and she's new to us, but I've enjoyed thus far watching her. I didn't realize she's the age of my youngest brother. Hmm. 
She's not on social media either, which is really interesting. Like she's barely on Instagram and Twitter. So you can't really like find her. her. (laughs) Well, you can't just even get like a feel for what her personality is like if you wanted to. Like I got nothing on like what she's like off screen. Our last one is from Outdoor Life. I think you talk about gun control and issues like that. You should not make movies with guns in them. Make them about unicorns or something. This is a popular (laughs) comment about Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and their issues and their takes on gun control. And he's saying that if you are pro-gun control, you shouldn't be able to hold a gun Mm -hmm. in a movie. First of all, I love the idea of a Tim and Faith unicorn movie. My five-year-old would be all in on that. (laughs) because he loves him some unicorns right now. But the, the premise is a little bit silly. I mean, these are actors. Uh, they're not really shooting things. Tim right. and Faith haven't out and out said that they're anti-guns. They're just maybe for stricter gun control laws. Um, and they made those comments in the wake of school shootings and some of these mass tragedies, uh, Route number one, Route 91. You may not agree with their stance on that, but it's not an unreasonable stance. It doesn't negate right. them from making movies with guns in them. I mean, let's be honest. Has anybody asked what Sam Elliott's thoughts on guns are? The cast of Yellowstone, uh, it's a real mixed bag. Do you think they're all NRA members and gun-toting? So it's kind of a silly premise. I I respect the right to have this opinion, but I've seen a lot of these kind of comments. And honestly, these people probably aren't going to watch anyway, um, and and they're probably not listening to this podcast. You know, as far as gun control in general... You can feel what you want to feel on the topic, but to say that they're, they're not qualified to act with them. I mean, if they're act, right. good actors, anybody can act with a gun. Right, right, right. Less of a zero to 100 thought process there. Yeah. Yeah, I totally think so. But coming soon, Tim McGraw and Faith Hill's Unicorn movie. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Outdoor Life, for that <laughs> idea. We're here first. That, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, a, a unicorn is just a horse with a horn, so it's not too big of a stretch. You're right. You're right. Put a, Foreshadowing. Put a, put a, <laughs> be a real. Would not see that coming. That's our special unicorn, Billy Dukes. With hot takes on everything from Tim McGraw's long hair to Sam Elliott's mumbles to courting the 19th century. Oh, I guess he did a little research too. Thanks, Billy. I'm Addison Haker, and this was the first 1883-focused episode of Denton Rules, a Yellowstone 1883 podcast. Be sure to tap follow for continued conversation and give a five-star review if you've enjoyed the research and analysis. Denton Rules is written by myself and Billy Dukes and produced by Billy Dukes. New episodes breakdowns will come weekly with special interview episodes sprinkled in between. We'd love for you to join the listener Q&A next week at staffattasteofcountry.com. Dutton Rules is another great Townsquare Media podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.